you have your Bibles, open to the book of Matthew, chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading with verse 46. Uh, thank you for coming out and supporting the revival over the past two weeks. We had 11 different services, and a lot of amazing things happened. Some folks got saved, hallelujah, dedicated their lives to the Lord. Some people uh, blessed and healed. We had many different healing testimonies came through. Had one uh, mother write me and say that she came with her 13-year-old daughter who had had severe allergies since birth and uh, asthma. And she said that, uh, she said, I recently came out of a denominational church and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she had seen this, you know, this change in my life. And so she said we were in service and she was just being calm. But Brother Ted kept saying, it is well. It is well. If you were here and heard that message, it was tremendous. And then she said it, she just realized she had been praying for healing, but she realized she just saw it in a different way. And she got in the car and she told her mom, she said, I'm healed. Let's go eat chicken. Let's go eat chicken. And she said most every day since then she's been eating chicken, which was something she couldn't do before. So she's been uh, so totally healed of lifelong allergies and asthma. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And one of the, I think it was Tuesday night, we were in here Tuesday night. And our sister got healed here and was kicking her legs up like uh, kung fu fighting. <laughs> Hallelujah. You'd been numb in your back and, and yeah. And there, and there was another lady here that night too who was kind of like stunned. She said, I've been in excruciating pain, even at pain uh, management today, and it's all gone. She said, she was like shocked. She said, I'm sitting here, standing here, and it's just all gone. If you don't have a reason to praise him, which is crazy, praise him for something he's done in somebody else's life. Amen. Can we just shout, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm going to preach on something today I don't think I've ever dealt with. And we started looking for teaching on this, and there's some out there, but there isn't a lot. So I'm going to deal with how to keep your miracle. How to keep your miracle. What? What do you mean keep it? Well, if you notice Chase's testimony this morning, he, he didn't, we didn't coordinate that. He asked me in the first service, he said, can I testify? And I said, go ahead. And he gets up there, and I'm like, dude, that's my sermon right there. <laughs> God touched him, healed his hand during a meeting. He went and started having symptoms again and didn't give up and say, well, it must not have been real. Well, no, it must not have been God. Well, must, you know, he said, no, I don't, I don't, I know I'm, I'm claiming my healing. I'm taking hold of it. I'm going to continue in faith believing. And, and now he's walking pain free. So this is as strong as I've ever preached on healing. But I'm going to just preface it. And I shouldn't have to do this, but I really want to. I'm prefacing it by saying I'm, I'm trying to help us all this morning. I'm trying to encourage you this morning and lift us all up. Amen? T.L. Osborne used to say that miracles are proof of God's love. And I think God wants to show his love by doing great things in our lives. I don't think we're supposed to live a defeated, down and out, straggling along Christian life. 
just wait until we get to heaven. I, don't th I think we live the abundant life now in this life. And then when we get to heaven, that's just, we go from glory to glory, level to level. Amen? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this strong this morning, all right? And I never coordinated these two together, but I'm going to talk about the parable of the sower and talk about those different soils and how that shows us something about maintaining and walking in our miracle or healing or deliverance that God's provided for us. Because I believe whatever you get from the Lord, you're supposed to walk in and maintain that. Hold fast your profession of faith. Continue in. Don't uh, lose out. Revelation 2. Don't lose that which God has given you. Continue to walk in it. He saved you, delivered you, set you free from stuff, healed your body. Walk in all of that. Amen? So let's begin with Matthew chapter 12. And just give me some time. KFC will be, KFC will be open when we finish. I don't know why. Somebody said, do you like KFC? And I'm like, no. I don't even know why I say that. While he was, okay, verse 46 of Matthew 12, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. This is Jesus. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's what he's getting at. The one, the one in the kingdom is the one who does the will of God. So hearing equals doing in Scripture. Hearing equals doing. It's not... You know, in the Greek system of education, we kind of hear this, let's just load on information, but we don't apply it. That's kind of where we're at now. We're inundated with information. Believe me, you can find, all, we're all, if you're like me, we're all addicted to information. But the travesty, really, of the modern Western world is we don't put into action what we learn. But I think the Bible, Hebraic way of learning is you learn and you do. You put into action what God is saying do. So there were no chapter divisions in the, in the writing of the Bible. That came later by editors. So just imagine this without chapter division. He said, the ones who do the will of my Father, they're, they're my family. And then he comes right down to the next verse. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Great multitudes were gathered together with him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. In fact, in this chapter, there are seven parables. Seven is the number of perfection. I don't think it's coincidental that he teaches seven parables of the kingdom. This is the way to, this is the complete package here. This is the way to live the Christian life in the kingdom. And he says this, Behold, a sower went out to sow, verse 3. As he sowed the word, or as he sowed rather, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some 
a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear and obey. First of all, he says there's four types of soil. The first was uh, soil that fell on the wayside or the path or the roadway. Second, some soil, uh, some seed fell rather on the stony soil, on the stony places among the rocks. Thirdly, the seed fell among soil that had thorns and thistles all built up around it. And then finally, the fourth soil was good soil. So then he gives an explanation of this parable later on. He says in verse 12, why am I teaching in parables? Because whoever, for whoever has, to him will be given more, and he will have an abundance. That doesn't sound like equality or fairness in our eyes, but that's the way the kingdom works. Once you get revelation, God will give you more. Once you start using what you have, God adds more to it. Amen? Hallelujah. And then he says, this is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah in verse 14. Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of the people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Why in the world does he throw a quote from Isaiah in this passage? I think really it's because Isaiah was speaking to a rebellious people in Israel who wouldn't hear. And so he's saying, you have ears, but you're not hearing. You have eyes, but you're not seeing. That's what happens when we become rebellious or calloused to the word. We, or we place idols in our lives. And when we place idols in our lives, we become like the thing we worship. And so the idols were deaf, dumb, blind. They were inanimate objects. So Isaiah is saying you're becoming basically like that that you worship. You're becoming hardened that you can't see or hear. So Jesus is saying the way I understand it, I'm speaking in parables so for those who don't have ears, they're not going to get it. But for those who are hungry, for those who are opening up and obeying what I say, they're going to get it and they're going to get more and more and more. Isn't that powerful? So then he explains the four different types of soils, and this is where I'm going to get my principles here for walking and keeping your miracle. Okay, First of all, in verse 19 is the first soil. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, he's talking about the word of the kingdom. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, who is Satan, comes and snatches away that that was sown in his heart. This is the seed received by the wayside. So the first key in receiving and maintaining your miracle is to understand the word. Understand the word. It's about doing and obeying, hearing and obeying, doing what God has said to do in the word. The wayside, you know, it was that well-trodden path. Maybe many people's hearts don't receive the word because it's been trodden down by the world and by the, the issues they've been through and the tribulations they've been through and the trials and the history. And, and even, I think, in the church, sometimes hearts can become like the wayside because we've heard so much word. And if you keep hearing word but never obey it, I think you'll get callous to the word. If you don't obey it, you become callous to the word. So we could preach the greatest stuff 
ever heard from heaven and people sit there and don't receive anything because they've been in church so long not obeying that they have hardened hearts. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I fully understand all this, but we had a friend of ours up recently to teach on witnessing. And we've been sending teams out into the, the area just witnessing and praying for the sick. And uh, as he was teaching us, he said, there's one thing I found. And this guy does it every week of his life and been doing it since a teenager. He said, one thing I found, the further away I get from church, the greater the anointing is. And I thought about that. And what he's saying is, I, you know, sometimes you pray for folks in church and they've heard so much and become so callous to it. It's sometimes difficult to break through that to receive a miracle. But when you get out into the deep with people who have needs and are hungry for any kind of help, often the miracles happen like that. That's what we see on the mission field often. And so, so many people take mission trips because they get excited about the receptivity and the hunger we see on the mission field that it becomes like addicting to see that. So what's my encouragement to you? Don't be hardened. Don't be calloused. Do the word. Do what he says. Get hungry for it. Get at, make 2024 the year that you say, I'm going to do what God's telling me to do. Because sometimes, I don't know why I'm drilling down on this, but it's almost 12 o'clock. Y'all just hang on. But sometimes when we hear something taught, it assuages our guilt, and we, don't have, and we don't do anything about it. It's like sometimes we can watch a documentary on Netflix on how to make a million dollars, and we're like, man, that was great. Now, are you going to do anything with it? What, what do you mean? I'm supposed to do something with that? You know what I'm saying? It's often like it's out there if we would just do it. Look at your neighbor and say, just do it understand the word the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 in the CSB version it says my son pay attention to my words listen closely to my sayings don't lose sight of them keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body so he said when you listen to his words they become life to you, and they become health to you, and in fact, they become health to your entire body. Health to your entire body. Jesus didn't come to earth saying, I'm here to get you to heaven. Well, what about the demon-possessed? Don't worry about them. We're just here for heaven. Well, what about the sick? Don't worry about them. We're just here for heaven. What about those who are mentally oppressed? Don't worry about them. We're just here for heaven. He didn't, he didn't come that way. He came with the whole package. Heal the sick, cast out the demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, preach the kingdom. He came with the whole package of blessing and kingdom authority. So when he comes, he gives us his prescription. His prescription is take your medicine daily, and that's the word of God. Take it daily. Get into the Word on a daily basis. And I'm going to tell you something. The less you read the Word, the less you'll want to. The more you read the Word, the more you'll want to. I, I have an addiction in my life right now. Y'all want to hear about it? I'm an addict. I'm addicted to the Word. I want to get up every morning. I want to get up and I want to get in it. I have a special chair. And it's a cool chair. 
And, I, and Dana's laughing because she knows we got this special chair that's kind of funkadelic looking, so we've had to match everything in our house to that one chair. Hallelujah. But that's the chair. I love to get in it, open up the Bible, and let God speak to me. And I've been reading the Bible for many years, but every time I get into it, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't see that. And I've been reading one of the easiest versions possible this year. Why? Because I like it. Amen? You, you, you try to read the Bible and you don't understand it? Go get a version you can understand. Listen to it on audio. Get, get, get the word in you somehow. Well, somebody shout amen. So if you're bogged down, if you're feeling like the pressure, it, it's probably a sure sign you're not giving enough attention to the word. Because the word is what causes your life to work. It causes healing to come. And when we stand on the word, that means we're going to meditate in it day and night. It becomes the final authority of our life. We're going to put our heart into it. The reality of our healing has power. It's power in the word. It's receiving the word. God's word does not fail. Man may fail. Doctors may fail. Psychologists may fail. Counselors may fail. But the word never fails fails. Don't ever get, get, get to the point where you're saying, well, this just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for No. Push on, my brother. Push on, my sister. Hallelujah. And, and take the medicine. And when you get your healing, then, then start walking in the reality of that blessing in your life. Now, I'm a history guy. I love history. So John Wesley's one of my heroes from history. And I, I find it interesting that during the First Great Awakening, he was part of that revival in America. And he, in his journals, he had an account of 240 people receiving physical healing. And this was before the age where people really had the revelation that they had today or the understanding of healing that we've walked in here, at least in the 20th century. So, and he felt people weren't moving in healing because they had lost faith. Come to the 1800s. There was a man named Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was a South African reformed pastor. And he got to the point where he couldn't preach because he had a sickness. Something was wrong with his throat. This happened for two years. Finally, he was on a trip to England, and he decided to give attention to this problem in his life. And he went and stayed for three weeks in a home with a guy where they constantly poured in the word of God on healing. And he said in so many words, I stopped just begging God for my healing. I'm, I'm putting words in his mouth, but this is the gist of it. I stopped just focusing on my healing and I started focusing on my faith in God and my relationship with the Lord. And when that happened, he was completely healed. Wrote a book called Divine Healing by Andrew Murray. It's an awesome read. Amen? So understanding the Word, understanding the Word, getting it in your heart, soaking in it, soaking in it, soaking in it. This is why I think it was Oral Roberts who said we've missed the, the reality of most miracles because we wanted them to happen instantaneously when most of them happen progressively. Progressively. So when something starts happening, a change starts happening, that's your sign that God is moving and God is working. Keep on pushing. Put the pedal to the metal. And don't give up on what God is doing for you. Okay, so if you have a pen or paper and want to take this down, if this is, I'm going to drop some pure gold on you right now. This is from P.C. Nelson's book, Bible Doctrines, an early Pentecostal who wrote about uh, different doctrines of the, the Pentecostal church. 
And you know the healing revivals, the holiness revivals, all believed in healing. Early Pentecostals in Sousa Street, they all believed in healing. We as a church believe in healing. It's even written in our bylaws that healing's in the atonement, as it is Sinless God and Church of God and Foursquare. Most, I guess, all major Pentecostal denominations began with this understanding of healing. So here comes P.C. Nelson's 12 reasons why we believe God heals today. First of all, sickness and disease came upon the human family because of sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Disobedience entered the human race because of Adam. And because of that, death came, and the process of death came, which brought sickness and disease and infirmities to mankind. Secondly, these things are not a blessing. They are a curse. They're not a blessing. They are a curse. Brother Ted said it so clearly the other night, and it was, it was, it, it was cool to hear him say it, but it was strong. He said somebody came up in his prayer line and he said, what's happening? He said, well, Lord's using this sickness in my body to witness to people and stuff. He said, okay, I'm going to pray you get sicker. But he said, no, 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 I'm going to pray you get sick. I'm going to pray you even die. Because if this is giving glory to God, why don't we just crank it up? And he showed really the ridiculousness of that statement. It isn't giving glory to God. Where God comes and he says, when Jesus, John chapter 9, walked up to the bl blind man, the disciples said, why is this man sick? Is it because of his parents or did he sin? Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God might be made manifest. So he was going to show the works of God. And why was that? By reaching down and touching that blind man and healing his body. That was how glory was given to God. Are y'all still with me this morning? Somebody shout Hallelujah. So Exodus chapter 15, he said, I'll put none of these diseases on you that I put upon the Egyptians if you diligently hearken to my word, for I am the Lord who heals you. So it's his character. That's the Jehovah Rapha we sang about this morning. If God is a God of love, he's always love. If God is a God of justice, he's always just. If God is a God of righteousness, he's always righteous. He's in the eternal present tense. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift. He, doesn't, he isn't a, in, a, in a mood one day. And if he is a healer, then he stays in the eternal present as a healer. Numero tres. Not God, but the devil is the author of disease and sickness. Not God, but the enemy is the author of disease and sickness. If you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil. Number four, Christ was made a curse for us. Galatians 3. The curse... That, was, that, was, that came into the human race was nailed to the cross when Jesus went to the cross. That curse was nailed to the cross because he became the curse so we wouldn't have to bear the curse. Number five, in the atonement, the death of Christ, full provision is made for our physical healing. If you notice Isaiah 53, it says, by his stripes we, were, we are healed. Then Matthew chapter 8, after Jesus had healed the lep leper, he had healed the centurion's servant, he had healed Peter's mother-in-law, then he healed all in an evening outdoor meeting. Matthew said, 
This was that it might be fulfilled by the prophet Isaiah saying, He bore our sicknesses and took our infirmities. It was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophetic word in the healing ministry of Jesus. So if it's in the atonement, then you and I have access to it just as we have access to salvation. Somebody said, well, why aren't all healed? And I love Brother Ted's answer to that. Why aren't all saved? Number six, the benefits of the atonement. All that Christ did on the cross can only be appropriated by faith and no other way. It comes by the way of faith. According to your faith, so be it unto you. According to your faith, so be it unto you. Number seven, divine healing is actually part of the gospel that Jesus preached. He came in Luke chapter 4 and he read the scroll of Isaiah saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all of these things. Set at liberty those who are, who are bound to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He came to bring full healing and blessing to humanity. Number eight, this is strong medicine, but just listen and take it in. Number eight, it is God's will, therefore, to heal the sick. Thank you for those four amens. I'm here to help you and encourage you, not to discourage you. I'm here to help. It's God's will to heal the sick. It's God's will to heal the sick. It's God's will to baptize every single person in the Holy Ghost. It's God's will to save every single person. I'm not a Calvinist at all. It's God's will to bless people, and it's God's will to heal the sick. I had to get over that argument because I'd had so much theology and theological training in my mind that sometimes if I went up to pray for somebody, I'm thinking, well, Lord, what if you don't do something? And Lord, what if you're working something? And I just go, shh, and get that out. And now every time I pray for somebody, I know God wants to bless them. I know God wants to set them free. I know God wants to touch them. And that's why when we started our healing rooms ministry here, I went and got a lady who believed in healing 100%, no ifs, ands, buts, no maybes, no, no gray areas. Because I said, I can't have somebody working in the healing ministry that doesn't fully believe it if you come suffering for healing we're sitting there well we don't know what the Lord's will is let's seek his face and see if maybe he will dole out a small blessing for you forget about it that's a hillbilly talking like a New Yorker so that's horrible but you know what I'm saying come on somebody say forget about it it, you got to believe it, man. You got to believe this. You got to believe it's for everybody. Hallelujah. If you don't believe everybody can be saved, then how are you going to witness? You're going to go out and witness to somebody. You're witnessing to Joe Smith on the street, and you're like, in your back of your mind, you're thinking, well, Lord, I don't know. Are they chosen? Are they one of those uh, sealed for eternal damnation? Are they, are that? That's crazy. You got to believe God wants to bless people. God loves people no matter how ornery they are, no matter how bad they've been, no matter what they've been through, and no matter the bad mistakes they've made in their life. God still wants to bless. He wants to set them free. He wants to heal their bodies. He wants to deliver them from every demonic oppression. He wants to break off every addiction in their life. He wants to make them a trophy of his grace, hang them on the wall as a great work of art according to Ephesians 2, and they can shout and they can be a testimony to the principalities and powers that God's still heals and delivers and saves. If you believe it, shout amen. Number nine, our Lord committed the ministry of healing 
to the 12 disciples, then to the 70 in Luke chapter 10, then to the entire church, Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16, and now to you and I. It didn't stop. Some people had to make up, they went through theological acrobatics to make excuses as to why God wasn't doing things. And I'm like, we're done with that. Amen? God still heals. He still delivers. Number 10, the last words of Jesus were about healing. You know, it's important to hear the last words that somebody says. We think that's, you know, on their deathbed. It's the, it's the last thing that's really important. Well, the last thing Jesus instructed his disciples to do before going to heaven, according to Mark, was he told them, go now into all the world and preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's the word. That's the command of Jesus. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's the revealed will of God to you and I. That's the revealed will of God to you and I. So therefore, no man, no church, no king, no president, no senator, no congressman, no governor, no bishop, no ruler, no authority on planet earth has the ability to cancel out the Lord's commands. They stand above it all. He reigns above it all. His word stands above it all. If Jesus says you can be healed, I don't care what anybody else has said. Take his word above my word, above anybody else's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And some people are not going to like it. There's some people that, that think, you know, well, I'm not going to get into all that. <laughs> and finally, we believe healing is for today because Jesus still heals the sick today. We see it all over. I've seen blind see. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen cancers healed. I've seen legs straighten out and grow. I've seen uh, deaf healed by the scores, uh, all kind of stuff. We knew a guy who had lost an eye in Vietnam, got it back in a healing meeting. Uh, the guy that Ted was talking about the other night came into my hometown. He went up and asked for prayer, and he received prayer, and all he said is, I want to receive my sight. So the preacher said, let him receive his sight, but he didn't realize he didn't have an eyeball. So this guy started seeing through a socket, and it blew the medical doctor's minds. So he would come into the meetings with a man of God that we grew up under, and, and he would take, you know, like all this, uh, he would put uh, cloths and everything over his eye and let him read the newspaper out of an eye socket. Why he received, maybe should have been more specific with the prayer request. But anyhow, he received his sight. Is that wild? I mean, God has done some of the coolest stuff. I've read testimonies of people with, uh, you know, titanium screws and stuff coming up. And after they leave the altar, the screws are laying at the altar. And they're healed. Meetings, we have the, the man that we were ordained under years ago had meetings where people would cough up cancers. They'd come out blood, roots, and all. In the meetings. We've just not seen anything like this, and it's, so it's sometimes harder to, to get above the unbelief. And we've made religion such a ritual. How about let's just get back down to the heart of it all? 
God wants to bless people, and He's going to show up in His power to do it. And I'm going to tell you something. I've decided. I decided this long ago. I've made. I've recommitted, or as one man said, one British man to me, I've recommissioned my commission. This church, as long as Hans Hess is passionate this church, it's going to be a miracle church, going to be a faith church, it's going to be a Holy Ghost church. We're going to believe God can set anybody free from any walk of life. So every, every ministry that we have is geared for that. Every service we have is geared for that. Amen? Everything. So when, you, when we plan something, we're going to plan a harvest fest. Okay, let's have a healing room. So during Harvest Fest, we have a healing room. Okay, let's have a big Christmas program. Okay, I'm going to preach the gospel and give an altar call. Yeah. Let's go downtown, which we're going to do again this year in the month of May. Go downtown and have water, uh, uh, church at the water. You know what we're going to do? We're going to sing praises to Jesus and preach the gospel to everybody walking by. Everything is about ministering and touching those who need help. Look at your neighbor and just say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay. Point one, understand the word. Second thing is, don't let go of what God has done in your life. Don't, let, don't back down, don't let go. Great mountain climbers, they don't ascend and then get so high and say, we've almost made it. Let's go back to base camp and rest. And then we'll attack the summit. No, they never surrender the advantaged position. You never surrender the advantaged position. Once you've received so much revelation, never go back on that. Never back up and get yourself back into a hole. And I've seen some people do this. Some people have done it through theological training or different, and I believe in theological training, but sometimes it can suck every bit of faith out of you if you don't have a strong walk with the Lord because you start seeing other options and you doubt everything and you get back to where God's not doing anything. It all becomes ritual and it becomes man-made religion. Don't be there. Believe him with all your heart. I told a young man the other day, he wanted to meet with me, and he's in this theological school, and, and he's, he was asking me, and I said, okay, that's cool. I've been through way more, believe me. But I said, here's the deal. Never lose the power of God. Don't lose your faith. Be stronger. Be into miracles, signs, and wonders. This is what the world needs. I met with the Hispanic leaders of our conference the other day, and they were talking about a certain program they wanted to get into. And I said, this program is great, but don't lose the Holy Ghost. They looked at me and they said, presencia. Yeah. Not going to lose the presence. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose the presence. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I'm not going to lose the presence of the Holy Ghost. If we don't have the presence of the Lord, all education and all programs aren't worth a flip. It takes God's power to transform a life. It takes God's power to heal the sick. Well, hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, don't let go. Jesus said the farmer threw some seed and it got into rocky ground. The issue with rocky ground is it didn't have enough soil there to take root. So he says the person hears the word and then they receive it with great joy. But yet tribulation and persecution come because of the word. And it starts pressing on, did God really say that? 
Is that really for you? And there starts being this heated up battle over believing the word. And if you don't have root and understand it, just back off and say, it's not for me. You had a little shout for a little while, but it didn't last. I'd rather somebody come in and get deep than just have a shout. Shout, shout can come. I want you to get deep. Can you shout hallelujah? Look at your neighbor and say, no doubt and no offense. The Bible says when later on in this chapter, Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. And when he goes there, he teaches in the synagogue. And they're amazed by his teaching. But then they kind of scratch their heads and they say, wait, 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 wait. Isn't this Joseph's son? Don't we know his mother Mary? And we know his brothers and his sisters? And the Bible says they were offended at him. They, they drank in that, that spirit of offense. And then it said, he could not do many mighty works there except heal a few people. If we had a few people healed, that'd be great revival today. But that was a, not a great meeting for Jesus because he was in places where everybody was getting healed. But what stopped their healing? Dr. Elias Malky taught us this years ago. What stopped their healing was the spirit of offense. They were offended at him, so it prevented them from receiving from him, and it prevented them, frankly, from even coming out to hear him. And because they wouldn't even make the effort, they had that offense in their spirit, they received no miracles from God. Come on, get rid of the offense, get rid of the doubt, let, don't let that become a snare or, or, or hindrance to you. Kenneth Hagin told a story years ago of a man that he had prayed for that had received a dramatic healing from deafness. And God gave him his hearing back, and he was hearing perfectly. And then he said one day it started coming and going, coming and going until he lost it again. And Hagin said, I came back and said, what happened to you? And he said, well, the minute the first symptom showed up, I thought, I thought the Lord healed me, but I guess he didn't. And he stepped over into unbelief and walked in that, I guess he didn't really do it. And Hagen said, I prayed for him the next time, but it took a long time to get the man free. I think he said he prayed for several hours or 45 minutes or more to get the man free again. And, and, but what happened, the enemy came and said, no, you really didn't receive this. I know this is strong for you guys to hear, and it's as strong as I've ever preached on, on healing, but I'm doing it because I want everybody here healed. I want everybody filled the Holy Ghost, everybody healed, everybody living in victory. Is that possible? Absolutely possible. So when you receive a healing and then Satan comes back with a symptom, you just say, it's not mine. It's not mine. I've had to do this in my own life. It doesn't belong to me. It's not part. Why? Because Jesus bore my sicknesses and he carried them to the cross and he nailed them on the cross and if he nailed them to the cross they're no longer mine to carry no but brother Hans you there's a history of heart disease I don't care family could have had that stops with me because I'm walking under the shadow of the cross it was nailed to the cross brother Hans there's a history of migraine headaches yeah but they're not mine 
Satan's brought the symptoms on, but they're not mine. I nailed it to the cross in Jesus' name. Yeah, but high blood pressure, that runs all in that, that mama's side of your family. I don't, it, okay, sure, but it's not with me. It's not mine to bear. I'm not going to pick up what he's already taken and nailed to the cross for me. Some of you struggling with addictions or a certain persistent sin, not yours. Get rid of it. He's already nailed it to the cross. He already paved the way for your victory. And we get it reversed sometimes and we come to God and start begging him for a healing. And he didn't say, beg me and I will maybe answer you if you can just pull the right heartstrings. He said, boldly approach the throne of grace. And he said, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and you'll have whatsoever you say. you got to realize he's already done all the work of forgiving sin. He's already done the work to effect your healing. It was on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's our part to walk and say, Lord, I receive. I open my heart. I take it by faith now, and I let it be done in my life. So Elias Malki was one of my mentors in life. He was a very sophisticated, well-spoken Arabic speaker, uh, preached the gospel first, first man on television to preach the gospel in Arabic language, uh, traveled the nations of the world. I was with him in some, some of those nations. And as he got up into his 80s, he came here, and I think it was kind of shocking to see the way he ministered to people because at a certain point he would just say, go, you're healed. We were like, hey, dude, you didn't even scream, shout, and sweat over us. You didn't yell and get all worked up. No, just be like, be healed. And he would tell me, he said, Brother Hans, the miracles are getting so great. I just speak and things start happening. And, and it, was, it was hard for me to swallow that, but now I see where the man got to in his life that he really started walking in the full revelation of who he was in Jesus. I was with him in, a, in, a, in an Israel, a town in Israel that was an Arab town. He went there and they asked permission to have an outdoor meeting because it's, all, it's an all-Muslim town. And the mayor was Muslim. And he goes and he privately met with the mayor and he said, may we have a meeting, uh, outdoor meeting in this area. And the mayor said, I'm going to give you permission. Don't tell anybody, but I watch you on TV. So I went with him to this outdoor meeting. And as we're singing, and I sang a song, and we, we were, then Malky starts to minister, and I saw this young boy come up on a walker, and his hair had been, you know, I could tell he'd lost his hair through chemotherapy treatments and stuff, and he sat maybe six or seven seats down from me. And I saw Dr. Malky walk up to him and say, you're healed. Go prove it. Go, go see the doctor. And I'm sitting over here thinking, Lord, I hope he's healed. <laughs> the big compassionate heart in me. I'm stretching to get where he was. Well, we, we finished the Israel trip, went back home. Sunday morning, I'm getting ready to walk into my church, and uh, I get a phone call from Dr. Malky. He said, Brother Hans, go tell your people who are with us on this trip that that boy I heard from his family he went back to the doctor. Not one trace of cancer was left in his body. I saw it. But what was so cool was that family 
They, he said they have a tradition. The Arab tradition is kill the fatted calf, kill a lamb, have a big party. Before the boy even went to the hospital, they, on the word of the man of God, they had a party and invited all the neighborhood. They invited us, and we only had a few minutes to come, but we went upstairs into this apartment in this Arab village, and we walked in, and as soon as that father saw Dr. Malky, there was such intensity like I've never seen in a man. He grabbed the man of God. They knew that once he spoke, it was done. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I think in the Western world, we're like, give me a proof and another scan and another 14 blood work exams and another proof. You know, believe and receive all that God has done for you. Somebody shout amen. amen. Okay, we're going to pray. Third thing you got to do is you got to cast your cares. Why? Because the third soil was that soil where the, the, the seed fell among the thickets and the thorns. And the Bible says that that person received the word and they did good for a little while, but the cares of this life, and the lure or deceitfulness of riches choked out the word. So this person receives the word, but then that lust for money. Money's not bad. Lust for it would be bad. Money, wealth is not bad. The deceitfulness of wealth and pursuing it is a bad thing. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So anyhow, that, that, I got my money on my mind and my mind on my money. or what, That's all you're pursuing. That's not a good reference, I don't think, but I don't listen to rap, so whatever. <laughs> but then you, you're, you're just going after that. Or the anxieties and cares and worries and burdens press down if you allow it and chokes out the word. So what's my solution? Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, cast your cares on Jesus. Roll your anxieties and burdens and, and all that, that stuff you're carrying, roll it off on the Lord. It doesn't mean we don't pay attention. It doesn't mean we don't take care of business. It doesn't mean we don't give detail to stuff. But it does mean that you're not responsible for carrying the burdens of the world on your shoulders. He's already taken it off. Hallelujah. Well, your kids are getting on your last nerve. Cast your cares on the Lord and ask him for help. Well, my work is driving me crazy. Cast your cares on the Lord and look to him to help. Hallelujah. I tell you, this news is just driving me up the wall. Turn the news off and cast your cares on Jesus. Finally, the, soil, the, 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 the fourth soil is the good soil. The seed falls on good soil. The person hears it, understands it, and starts producing. It's 30, 60, 100-fold, various levels of harvest. The person hears it and understands it. That means they hear it, they understand it, they do it. They hear it, they understand it, they act on it. So I think the fourth way to walk in your miracle is just to get into action. Do what the Word says do. Start, if He says do it, do it. This, is, this has been... My goal here recently, the past couple of years, I want to obey and I want to obey quickly and I want to obey exactly what God tells me to do. Amen. Haven't been 100% check mark all the time, but I'm trying. Amen. This year, my new goal, and we'll start it next week, learning how to hear the voice of God better. I'm going to start next week talking about how to hear the voice of God. So be here. Hallelujah. Same bat channel, same bat location. But we're, we're coming and, and dealing with it. But I want to know his voice 
and I want to do what he says. If he says, go pray for this person, I want to fear God more than men, and I want to go pray for that person. If he says, give certain amount to somebody, I want to believe God more than I fear finances, and I want to go give that to somebody. Because I realize my blessing and my open doors are wrapped up in my obedience to the Lord. And if I stay in some kind of isolated disobedience or just hands-off approach, then I'm never going to walk into the level that God wants me to walk in. Hallelujah. And I want you to walk into that level. If God says do something, go do it. Go do it. If He call, go, get, Put the word into work. Put the word to work in your life and let the word work in your heart. Did you get anything out of this? Don't lose it. Don't, 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 don't lose it. Okay, if, if you've received a touch from God, even over the past two weeks with Brother Ted here, and, and symptoms have come back or Satan's come back knocking, uh-uh. No more devil. Tell him no. I don't receive, I don't, this isn't mine to carry. I've already given it. The Lord's already touched me. He's done his part. I'm going to walk out my part in this. I'm going to walk out my part in this. Okay, what if you don't receive healing, you're still believing for healing? Well, all I know to do is soak yourself in the word. Stop begging and start believing. Start speaking and start commanding. Start declaring over your life. And I know if I have some my academic friends watching, they probably are losing their minds right now. But anyhow... I'm just telling you, it's where I'm at. Start declaring it. Start believing it. Start, start declaring the word over your life. Soak, soak, soak. We have a healing room. Come to it every single Tuesday night till you're healed. Then come some afterwards. Get every piece of literature they have. 39 stripes of Jesus being healed. God's creative miracle working power. Get T.L. Osborne's book on healing the sick. Get, uh, get, get that faith stuff in your heart. Get that faith. Shut, shut out the voices contrary to that. And you can still have great friends, but when they get to that, just go, Shh, I'm pulling the shades because I'm not listening to that stuff anymore. Right. I, I'm, I'm done with the arguments of why somebody wasn't healed, why somebody didn't receive. I'm done with that. All I want to know is what I need to do. What do I need to do to get there myself and help somebody else get there? What do I need to do? Because within the last three years, when Jackie passed, I had a, I had a you know, a, a, like crossing the Tiber moment. I had this, this decision to make. Do I really believe what I've been preaching for 30 years? Or am I just going to back up on it and say, well, God, I'm just going to trust it all to your, uh, you know, your sovereign will, and I don't know what's going to happen here, and I might, we might see one or two healed the rest of our lives, but it's just going to have to be a sovereign move of your power, and, and it, you know, it's your will, not mine be done, all that. Or I'm going to put the pedal to the metal, kick it down in overdrive, and believe every bit of this word. Well, I chose the latter, not the former. And I chose I'll spend the rest of my life making the devil's existence miserable on planet Earth. Hallelujah. And I'll spend the rest of my life laying hands on the sick, preaching the gospel of healing, preaching the gospel of power, preaching Holy Ghost fire, seeing revival come to the nations. This is what I dedicated my life to doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I remember after Jackie passed, it, it was about nine weeks. I just, I just didn't preach here. I would work and things, but I, I said, I'm not going to preach out of this place in my life. And then the second week back preaching, I gave an altar call for healing. And that day, three ladies came down who had cancer. I prayed for the first lady. And then the second lady I went up to, I said, what's your issue? And she said, I have ovarian cancer. And when I heard that, that's just what I'd battled for the past two years. And I was like, 
I stepped back. And I had this war going on in my mind. Like, are you going to believe for this? Or, or, or do you feel like you're powerless over this? I had a, I had a decision moment. And I said, you know what? I'm going to believe with every fiber of my being. I'm going to believe. And I stepped forward and laid hands on that lady. I don't know if I've ever seen her since, but there was so much power of God in this room, it could have healed anything. So our friend Tony Suarez, he lost his wife to leukemia, and he talked to Rodney Howard Brown about it. And he said, what do I do? Rodney said, make the devil pay for it. Think, I think out of that, I think Tony said something like, I'm going to win a million souls to Jesus or something. Dr. Rodney had lost a daughter earlier in his life. And he said out of the losing the daughter, they came and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make the devil pay for it. We're going to win 100 million people to Jesus. So you can walk through a trial and it can make you bitter. And you can check out. And you can live a miserable existence for the rest of your life and not believe anything. Or you can make that trial, you can allow it to make you better. And you can say, I'm getting back in the fight. And this time, bless God, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be quicker. I'm going to float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm going to be like God's man of faith and power. Hallelujah. I'm coming back with everything I have full force. So if you get around me now, I'm not going to pray sympathy prayers for you. Lord, help them suffer through this that they're going through. No, it's going to be healing, deliverance, come out of this, break the chains off, baptize in the Holy Ghost, let them flow in prophetic wonders, God. I'm going to 100% pedal to the metal, hitting the fire roads. I used to race motorcycles in the mountains, and when you were in the wood sections, you had to take your time and work through the wood sections. But then once you came out on a fire road, you twisted the throttle for all that you could hang on for. I feel like I'm on a fire road right now. Twisting the throttle for all it's got. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, somebody. Stand with me if you're with me in faith. And just go ahead by faith. Maybe you never rode a motorcycle, but I give you permission right now. Kick it up in fifth gear and just twist the throttle back. Say, Lord, I'm going all the way. Yay, hallelujah. I like Eric. He's on them A-pangers. Somebody shout amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a, I'm a winner. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I already won. Because Jesus won the battle for me. He won the battle for me. So I hope this is an encouragement to you today, a blessing to you today, so you can walk in all that God wants you to have. Start studying this out yourself. Uh, hallelujah. Ask us questions. We got all kinds of amazing people here that move in healing ministry. and I see you, bro. Hallelujah. Come on. If any of y'all need a miracle in your life today, let me see your hand. Maybe you need a healing in your body or some touch in your body right now. Just lay, leave your hand up. right, Father, in Jesus' name, come on. If you're around one of those persons, reach out your hand to them. Reach out your hand to that person that you're around. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare your healing virtue be, be, uh, be healed in Jesus' name. Healing virtue flow right now. Flow right now to each person who needs a touch in their body. Healing virtue come and flow in their lives right now in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Addictions fall right now. Be broken. 
patterns of sin that people couldn't get out of be broken now in Jesus' name. Sugar diabetes be healed now. Migraine headaches be healed now. Eye problems and glaucoma be healed now. Back issues and lower back problems be healed now. Uh, uh, foot issues be healed now. Bone spurs go now in the name of Jesus. Blood circulation be made normal now. Nerve damage be healed now. Memory damage be healed and restored now in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive your miracle. Just raise your hand right now and say, Lord, I receive everything you have for me today father in the name of jesus i receive everything hallelujah hallelujah hey guys thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast and i hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing today jesus is the answer i can tell you he is the answer for your life i'd love to pray with you before we leave here so if you never accepted christ into your life or if you just have a need in your life let's lift it up to the lord right now come on pray with me lord jesus wash me from all sin i accept you into my life i repent of all sin and i place you on the throne seat of my heart Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.